Good evening, everybody good tonight? Love it, love it, love it. All right, if you got your Bibles, please take them out. Turn to the book of Acts, okay? Acts, uh, last week we got started off with our study of Acts. Tonight, uh, last week we got through chapter one. Tonight we're going to be going through chapter two and chapter three, all right? So we have study notes on the table there in front of you, and I encourage you to use those, take notes, and, uh, and uh, let's, let's take this opportunity to really dig in. Uh, the, the reason why we said we wanted to dig into Acts this fall is because um, Acts was the birth of the church. When uh, the, the events that we're talking about right now in chapters one and two and three were literally the birth of the church. And so as the Lord birthed the church, there were things that were super important in that time. And, and it's like the, the beginnings. We talked about that. It was like the cornerstone that we need to be measuring ourselves up as a church today 2,000 years later, right, to see, hey, is that still important to us? Obviously, this was important to God way back then. Is this still important to us now? And if it's not, what do we need to do to get things back on plumb, back online uh, the way God intended it with church? And so that's what, that's what this study is all about. Let me leave some word of prayer. Dear Lord, I love you and I thank you. Lord, for the book of Acts, thank you, Lord, that it is not a story about people. It is a story that you are the main character of, Lord. And Lord, help us to always remember that every single bit of Scripture, Lord, you are the main character of every page and every story, Lord. And so just as we read about ways that you related to your people in the past, thank you that you never change and we know that you can be trusted and your promises are just as true today as they were 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago or however many years ago, Lord. Thank you that you are the main character of the scriptures and thank you that you are the main character of our lives and our church's life. Center us in you for the glory of God alone. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, all right. So the, we're, uh, we're into uh, week two. Uh, this is the old, this is last week's. Can we get this week's? Thank you so much, all right? I'll get us going and Jake will get us caught up, all right, on that, okay? So I knew there was a good reason why I brought these notes with me here. All right. Outstanding. All right. So in Acts 1, what we see is that Jesus told the apostles, all right, where to go, that was to be in Jerusalem, and what to do, that was that they were going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and that they, that they must wait for the Holy Spirit, okay, to empower them. So they had the place and they had the plan, but what they didn't have was the power, right? And so this week we're going to be talking about the power. So in the first uh, section that we're going to uh, we're going to study from today, tonight is Acts chapter two, verses one through thirteen. Okay, so let me read those for you here. Acts chapter two, one through thirteen says this: When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, and they said, these guys have just had too much wine. <laughs> All right? Good deal. Thank you, Jake. All right. So... As we roll into this, we, this first section is about, we said that they had the plan, they had the place, they didn't have the power. So this section, we're calling it power up, all right? Because that's what we just saw happened, all right? So here's what the Bible says there for us that we just read. First of all, let's talk about Pentecost, all right? This was, Pentecost is the second of three annual festivals that the Jewish people celebrated, all right? It was also called the Feast of uh, Weeks, the Feast of Harvest, and the Day of First Fruits, okay? Now, Passover was celebrated 50 days after what? 50 days after, I'm sorry, Pentecost was celebrated 50 days over past Passover, all right? So you have the Passover where they have the supper and all those kind of things, a huge festival. 50 days later is when Pentecost was celebrated by the Jewish people, okay? Now, here, here's what it said is that we always think and we talk a lot, and I've heard a lot of preaching done on how important Passover was, right? And Passover was an opportunity for pilgrimage, for people to make pilgrimage to Jerusalem, right? And we know that there were a lot of people in Jerusalem when Jesus died, which happened at, at, at the Passover time, right? And so there were gobs of people there when Jesus died, right? And that lines up with the Passover, the Old Testament Passover lines up with Jesus being the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, right? So at Passover, it was about a lamb that was sacrificed, right, to get the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? But that was a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God who would come and take away the sins of the world. So it was important for that to happen on Passover weekend. So we are 50 days past Passover Jerusalem is celebrating the great feast called Pentecost, 
And here's what scholars tell us, is that more pilgrims gathered for this feast than even Passover. More people made pilgrimage to Jerusalem for, uh, it is said, for Pentecost than even Passover. And one of the reasons why was because the weather was different. It was better at that time of year. It was easier to travel those long distances. And so that was one of the reasons why it was a li- that a lot more people were usually in Jerusalem at Pentecost than Passover, okay? So it was a high attendance day. It was a feast of joy and thanksgiving for the completion of harvest season, okay? Now, here's something that as I was studying today, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because we already talked about Passover was the Old Testament day of the lamb that by putting on the doorpost got people out of Egypt, right? Right? And that foreshadowed Jesus being the Lamb of God that takes us away the sin of the world. So this amazing thing where the Holy Spirit is about to come and power up God's people that have been redeemed and birthed the church, doesn't it make sense that that would happen at the same time that you would celebrate harvest you have just brought in the harvest it's in it is full you got all you're gonna get it's time to do what you're gonna do with all that you got right that's what Pentecost about the Holy Spirit comes at that time and in a spiritual way is saying the same thing the harvest boom it's here the Holy Spirit is all you need. It's here. Let's, it's time to start doing with all that I've given you, right? And I was like, wow, that is so cool, right? 50 days later, that's where we're at in this moment, all right? Let's keep moving, all right? So the apostles, it says in this passage, were all together in one place. This is a selfie that they took that day. I wanted to make sure that you had a picture of it. It's exactly what it looked like, all right? All right, uh, so, um, so the power, all right, the power is in the presence, all right, get this, of the Holy Spirit, not in the ways he chose to show up. You know, it's real easy to keep your eye on the ball of the main character at Christmas, isn't it? I mean, yeah, Mary, yeah, Joseph, but baby Jesus, man, that's what it was all about, right? Listen, we get really messed up with the Holy Spirit because we don't keep our eye on the ball. The main character of this moment is God, the Holy Spirit. The power was not in what happened. And I want to say this to you about spiritual gifts as well. Because the Bible says if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit shows up in you and manifests himself in ways that he chooses, right? Listen, if you're going to make it all about that you teach, then you're getting it all wrong because you need to make it all about that the Holy Spirit is showing up in you. 
It ain't about the thing he does in you. It's about him, right? And what is true in spiritual gifts was true for this moment at Pentecost. Never forget, good grief, what am I doing? I just keep punching it here. I'm just going through. I, goodness gracious sakes alive. I'm going to put this thing down, all right? But look at this. What a, that's what I got to... Goodness gracious. Oh, there we go. There's a selfie. All right, now. All right, here we go. So the power, the power was in the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's moving on its own. That's what the problem is. All right, it's on. It's all right, gotcha. All right. The pat, thank you. If you'll keep it on there, we'll be good. The power was in the presence of the Holy Spirit, not in the way he showed up. All right. The Bible tells us that there was this sound of wind, this mighty sound of wind, right? The Bible tells us that there were tongues of fire, okay? That there were tongues of fire, okay? But the reality is, is that the power was not in the wind or the fire. In the Old Testament, a lot of times that the Holy Spirit showed up, there were, there, were, there were things that related to fire. There were things that related to the wind, okay, and those kind of things. But it was the Holy Spirit that mattered, right? And so what I want you to make sure that you realize is, is that, and, and keep your eye on the ball, and that is the main character this moment is the Holy Spirit, and the power that he brought. The wind, the fire, if you even read the passages, it, they weren't saying that a wind. It, they were trying to describe something that was undescribable. It was, they're using words like, it was like a mighty wind. It was like these fire-looking tongue things that landed on me. They didn't know how to describe the indescribable, right? Because... Again, the things of God are exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we could ever ask or think when they're God-sized things, right? And so in light of that, they, that was the best way they could describe what they saw and what was going on in that, right? But the power came as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to Peter for all of a sudden, all of this to happen, and all of a sudden, inside of him was a spiritual something that he had never sensed or felt before, and boom, it's coming out. Like Jeremiah said, like, like, like a fire in my bones, right? Right? Think about the people in the room. This was the first time they had experienced an indwelling, a filling of the Holy Spirit. And on this particular day, the Holy Spirit said, I am going to manifest myself in a very unique way. I'm going to bust out with languages. Man, I wish he had showed up like that in, in Spanish class for me because I... I only failed two classes in college, and one of them was Spanish, man. And I was praying for the gift of tongues, and God did not give it, right? Right? But point being is, is that 
it, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit showed up and began to, to, to declare the glorious things of God in all these different languages. And as they moved outside that room and into the crowd, as they were filled up with the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden they realized why God was doing what he was doing. Because there were people there from the northernmost parts, right, of where Iran and Iraq and those areas are right now. And they had pilgrimed all the way down to Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, and they were trying, they were at the marketplace trying to, I just, I, I just want, I just want, and they're trying to speak in the language and do, and all of a sudden somebody's coming out speaking perfectly their language and talking about the, the glorious things of God. And they're like, I, I, I don't know how to speak this language, but they're speaking my language, right? And that was true about the people, not only that had pilgrimed from the north, but from the people that had pilgrimed up from Egypt and from the south and from the north and from the west and from the east. And the Bible lists all those different places. If you were to go look on the map, there were people there from all over the place. And God showed up through the Holy Spirit enabling his church to speak languages that they had never studied so that they could get the attention of people that were about to go back to where they came from, but they were going to about to go back with some new information they didn't have when they came, right? See, that's how the Holy Spirit showed up on that day, right? And so, um, this, um, so the response of those that weren't connected to God. They saw this going on. They were trying to figure out what's going on. The Bible says that there were four responses there. It says that they were connected. When they saw this going on, they were amazed. Some of them were perplexed. Some of them were questioning. They had questions. But some of them ridiculed it, right? Right? Does the church today, when we're faithful to proclaim the glorious message of the Lord, how do sometimes people respond? Sometimes, oh, wow, they're amazing. I didn't know God did that. Sometimes it, I never really thought about that before, and it makes them think a little bit more, right? Sometimes it leads to more questions. Well, if that's true about God, well, what about this? And dialogue begins. And sometimes people would just say, oh, you're an idiot. Make fun of you. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Things haven't changed. Just because the Holy Spirit showed up in power doesn't mean that everybody just wanted it or got it. And the same is true for us. If we allow the Holy Spirit to show up in power in us and we're faithful to be his witnesses like he's called us to, and somebody looks at you and laughs at you, or somebody looks at you like you're, they're perplexed, or they don't get it, or they don't want it, is that on the Holy Spirit? Is that on you? It's on them, right? We love them anyway, right? So, so, so let's remember that even though the Holy Spirit was showing up in might and power in this miraculous kind of way, the reality is, is that 
people going to do what people do. It's still on each person to what are you going to do with this message of Christ that you've encountered through a spirit-filled witness, right? So let's move on then to uh, the um, uh, next, uh, what happened after this, okay? So we're going to get back in here. I apologize for the slides the way it is. This next part in 14 through 41 is listening to an empowered gospel witness, all right, an empowered gospel witness. And, and here's the, the neat part about this. And we're actually, because there's so many verses here, I'm going to just walk you through it. I'm not going to read these scriptures for you so that we can make sure we get through all of chapter 3 as well too. But as you read 14 through 41, there's some amazing things that you begin to see. First of all, the Holy Spirit doesn't just show up in power through tongues he also shows up in power through the spiritual gift of proclamation and preaching, right? And here's the cool part. He shows up to do that in Peter, right? How many days was it from Pentecost to Passover? 50, right? And how many days was it from when Jesus... Uh, uh, so when Jesus, so, so it was 50 days from Pentecost. So what had happened 50 days before? What was Peter doing 50 days before? A little servant girl came and said, you're with Jesus, aren't you? No, not me. No, 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 not me. No, no, no. Two other people came up and said, you're one of his disciples. No, I'm not. And even probably cussed, the Bible says, or whatever else, to prove that he wouldn't be one of Jesus. Fifty days later, because the power of the Holy Spirit got in him and empowered him to be who he was supposed to be and do what he was supposed to do, the Bible says Peter stands up in front of this crowd of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pilgrims that are perplexed, that are amazed, that are questioning, that are ridiculing, and he stands up in a place where everybody can hear him and he says, let me tell you what's going on. These people are not drunk as you suppose. And he begins to give this amazing declaration from God that is going to be the very first gospel presentation to the world, right? The Bible says that, that Peter explains things from the scripture. His sermon was a scripture-based sermon. He went back to Joel. He said, no, it, people aren't drunk. Let me tell you what it is. Y'all remember what Joel said? And he went through a long passage of Scripture where Joel talked about the Spirit and what was going on, right? And, by, and Peter connects what they see to the life and the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So he takes the scriptures, from the scriptures, he takes them to the life of Jesus Christ, who was the fulfillment of all those scriptures. And then the Bible says that, um, that, that the convicting power of the Holy Spirit became evident, right? So we've seen the, the amazing power that showed up in tongues We've seen this amazing power that showed up in Peter who preached this amazing scriptural message that puts it all in context for thousands of pilgrims. And then we see the Holy Spirit showing up over the people as his power falls on them in conviction. And they began to say, what should we do? What should we do? And Peter says, Repent. And then he goes on to say, and be baptized and, and, and follow the Lord. He, he goes on to say all these but he starts with the word repent, right? And I want to point that out to you because, listen, if you're going to be a faithful gospel witness and you are going to be an empowered gospel witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, when you get the opportunity to help people understand what their problem is, you better make sure that you are telling them exactly what their problem is. It's not distance that separates us from God. It's not the fact that, that your mom treated you bad. It's not the fact that you grew up in Missouri and not Texas that's got you messed up. All right? Truth is truth. I'm sorry, man. All right. No, seriously. Look, seriously, I have heard so many people make it about so many things. Listen, the gospel is this. It is our sin that has separated us. Sin is who we are and sin is what we do. That is what separates us. We are sinful, nasty people and he is a holy God. Sin can't be in his presence. It has to stay separated until something happens, right? And when we hear the message of Christ, right, and we respond to it, then we're saying, I know I have been a sinner. I am a sinner and I have sinned, but here is what I repent. I want to turn from who I was. I want to turn from what I used to do. Repent is a simple word that means I'm walking this way and all of a sudden I'm walking this way. Repent means I was going one way and now I'm going another, right? So listen, gang, when somebody says, what do I got to do to be a Christian? You need to start with sin. You need to help people understand. And here's the thing. Well, people don't want to hear about their sin. Well, good. Start with telling them about yours. <laughs> Amen? Start by telling them about yours. Because if you're a believer, you are a sinner saved by grace. And people need to hear that. It's time for the world to start hearing from us that we're just as jacked up as they are, except one difference, that Jesus came in and has changed our life and has forgiven us for what we have been and has put us on a path for something different. And if they want a piece of that, it's there for them too. 
The reason why people don't come and they don't want to come to church is because they hear way too many of us telling them all the thing, bad things that they do. You're a bad person because you do this and that and the other or whatever else. Don't start with them. Start with you. I am a wretched sinner. But Jesus changed all that. And he could change it for you, right? And that's what Peter did in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And the Bible says that as the power of the Holy Spirit fell on people and they were convicted, the Bible says that 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ, right? The church went from 120 to 3,000. That's a church growth problem, okay? For the glory of God alone, right? So quickly, we move to the next thing, and that's in Acts 2, 42. These 3,000 people that didn't even know each other, they had nothing in common or very little in common before, all of a sudden, they are the church. And they started acting like the church, but they didn't even know how to act. They just did what the Holy Spirit in them was calling them to do. And the Bible says this is the things that made up. These were the things that people saw when they saw the church. They were devoted to the teaching. And that means the apostles' teaching who taught them what Jesus said about the scriptures. The scriptures according to Jesus. They were devoted. Tell us what Jesus said about Joel, about David, about, about the, penny, uh, the, the first five books of the Old Testament, all, all of it. Tell us all, and what did Jesus say? Right? The second thing it says, they, devoted, they were devoted to fellowship. That's the breaking of bread and prayer. That means that it was more than just knowing names. They were devoted to lives, Right? If your life group, if my life group, if my interactions with people is just about who came on Sunday and who's on the roll, that's not what the church was doing. They were into each other's lives. They were into each other's breadbasket at home. They were looking in each other's fridges. Right? They, were, they were doing life together. It wasn't about knowing their names. It was about being devoted to each other's lives, right? The Bible says that they were filled with awe. When's the last time you came to church and you just started crying because of what you saw God doing? When's the last time... You were going to church and were so expectant that you just knew God was going to show up somehow, some way, that something crazy was going to happen today in a Holy Spirit-empowered kind of way. You didn't know. You just, I got to get to church. And I bet you those people weren't showing up 15 minutes late from the start time. I bet you those people weren't leaving early so they could catch the kickoff to the Chiefs. You see what I'm saying? They, they knew. They were expectant. They were in awe in the ways that God was going to show up. 
And the Lord has said to us, hey, you have not because you ask not. You could also say, hey, you have not because you expect not. Right? Ouch. Chief of sinners right here. Okay? The Bible also talks about signs and wonders that accompanied them. Okay? Signs and wonders that accompanied them also. All right? The Bible says that they shared all that they had. It was a daily connection that they had with each other. It wasn't just, hey, see you Sunday. It was like every day, all the time, I care about you. We're doing life together in the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, 24-7, seven days a week, right? They did it in a way, this is something I want you to notice. They did it in a way that found favor with those who were outside the faith. I'm telling you what, church, it's time for us to quit patting ourselves on the back because we're ticking off the world. It is time for us to do what we do in a way that expresses that God so loves the world And not finding, we are getting so good at ticking off the world. We find ways to point out the nasty in everything around us. That is not what the early church was doing. The Bible says they were doing what they were doing. And as everything they did, found favor with people around them. Man, Church, we got we to quit being so proud of the ways that we're ticking off the world. And maybe we need to start apologizing and saying I love you. And tolerance does not mean that you put your blessing on what people do. Right? It's, t- it, it's it, you know, the, the saddest thing for me was in... Two churches ago, the church that I was in, as we were doing an evangelism event where we were trying to get folks in our church to witness to the Lord, we asked this question, who do you know that's not a Christian? And there were so many people who honestly said, I worked so hard to stay away from those people that I don't even know any of them. Right? If you can't sit down at a table with somebody that is, that, is, that is a homosexual, if you can't sit across the table from somebody, listen, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this on 9-11, okay? At, when 9-11 was going on in the church that I was in, we were in the middle of a study of how to minister to uh, people who were from an Islamic faith background, right? And after 9-11, I had deacons who came up to me and said, I hope they all burn in hell. Because they were so mad about that building going down and all the tragic loss of life on that day, which it was, right? But you know, God so loved Adolf Hitler that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved Osama bin Laden that he gave his only begotten son. 
God so loved, fill in the blank of the sins that you hate the most in others and the ones that you hide in the closet most for yourself. Right? God so loved. We, there is a way that we can engage and love and hug and encourage somebody that is absolutely clueless and totally against everything that we stand for as believers in Jesus Christ and not put our blessing on them and say, it's okay, do what you want to do. God doesn't care. We don't have to compromise the truth to engage with our culture in a way that makes them think, hey, he's a pretty good neighbor. She's a pretty good worker at work. Fill in the blank of those kind of things. That's what the early church was doing, gang. That's what the early church was doing. And the last thing I want to say, and then we'll close it down, is this, is that all of it, everything they were doing, was for the sake of the gospel. They weren't sharing their lives with each other and inviting people into that. They weren't doing what they were doing because they were hungry or they wanted to be liked or they wanted to go to somebody's house or those kind of things. Everything they were doing was for the sake of the gospel. And the Bible says, because of that, the Lord added to their number daily. They went to work for the gospel. They went to school for the sake of the gospel. They lived in the house that they lived in and they kept their yard nice for the sake of the gospel. Right? They drove their car and didn't run people off the road for the sake of the gospel, right? They chose to do this and not do that for the sake of the gospel, right? Listen, it's time for us to quit having, this is my gospel things I do and this is the rest of my life that I live. If we want to be the church, that had as much impact on our culture as Jerusalem, these early Christians had on their culture, then we've got to say, Lord, what am I doing in my life that is not for the sake of my gospel, your gospel? And Lord, help me to lay that down. Help me to convert everything I do for the sake of the gospel. Right on? Man, I got real challenged, can you tell, from studying this passage. I pray that you will read through chapter 2, right? And next week we're going to do chapter 3. We're going to talk about the, we're going to look at the anatomy of what happens when God does something through signs and wonders, when the Holy Spirit shows up in another way as he chooses to, Right? But my challenge to you and me in this moment is just simply this. Are we doing what we do? Are we doing everything we do for the sake of the gospel? And if not, are you ready to get started?
Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your speaking the truth to us in love. Not in condemnation, but in challenge. Lord, because we know that Jesus died on the cross so that we could every, be everything you intended for us to be in, in Christ Jesus. And we know the Holy Spirit lives in us, Lord, because you said that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness according to your power that works within us. So, Lord, I pray that you would begin to show us what needs to change so that the Holy Spirit who is in us can shine out of us fully for the sake of the gospel. And, Lord, I'm the chief of sinners, so send this revival and let it begin in me. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, gang. Thanks. We'll see you next week, all right?